Today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. Uh, with all the usual caveats, of course. Uh, with you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And of course, we're doing the usual thing where we're trying to get back in action, back in the swing of things. Still having tons of issues with the internet service provider. Uh, got a bunch of stuff squared away just yesterday, although it was late into the evening to get everything squared away. And Hi, this is Ron Edwards, host of the now, Commentary. I'm out blowing away the myths All right. Uh, no sooner am I complaining about one tech issue than I come across another. Uh, Skype just booted me out and took forever to get uh, logged back in, and I'm still trying to get my good friend and guest for here, my good friend, uh, Mr. Ron Edwards. So hopefully we can get connected here momentarily. Uh, this, I don't know what else to do. I, I think I've got Ron now. Uh, Ron, are you there, my friend? Yes, I am. Absolutely. Thank you for your patience. Uh, I, uh, I I can't seem to catch a break the last couple of weeks. But, brother, I'm glad to have you back on. I think we're probably good now because usually we 
get a couple of these and then get them out of the way. So uh, with your permission and uh, as long as you're uh, willing to go along for the ride with me, what do you say we jump right into things, sir? Let's do it. All right. First of all, how are you? Uh, been a little while since we've talked face-to-face. Well, not face-to-face, but over the – let me rephrase. I've gotten all flustered with my tech issues. I'm sorry. It's been a while since we've talked directly to one another, sir. So how are you today? Doing very well. I think I'm doing better than our country is, uh, considering what's been going on. But so um, I have nothing to complain about. All right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to start out with the single most important question of the day right now, one that I'm sure will get me relegated to the tinfoil hat section of the Biden concentration camp. I mean re-education camp. I mean uh, deprogramming camps. Uh, Ron, are we under martial law right now? Um, Martial law, I just think we're – under dictatorial ruling now, uh, martial law would have been done under a legitimate um, presidency, and uh, to clean things out, what we're under is a dictatorial wannabe situation, a la uh, Uncle Joe Biden and his his uh, band of uh, unmarried uh, cohorts, and so um, this is um, dictatorship 101. And um, unfortunately, historically, um, once the leftists reached this far is in, in any country throughout history, uh, there is no turning back. So uh, unless there's an invasion, another power comes in to free us, or there's an invasion from God himself, I think this is about it. And so um, because for some reason that I cannot explain – um, it, it, this was allowed. Uh, we the people stood up in faith by the millions, and this is the first time in history, recorded history that I'm aware of, whereas a leader actually spoke out on godly principles and acted upon them, and this would be this was allowed to happen. I've never seen this. If you go all the way back to King David, if you go all the way back to before him, if there was a godly leader. And he spoke openly and fought uh, to defend and expand the godly principles. Um, that administration or kingdomship or whatever usually was blessed to uh, continue. And I've never seen anything like this in, in the history of uh, mankind. That's why I was so adamantly sure that the Trumpster would win. And I was uh, not only basing it on just – Oh, yeah, he's the best guy. He's going to win. I was basing it also on history, and you know how history repeats itself. This time it did not, and um, I'm thrown for a loop, and uh, thus I, you know, I'm, I'm open for miracles. I'm open for them, but uh, historically we are in a heap of hurt right now. Absolutely. I mean uh, clearly the reason, primary reason I framed the question as I did is because right now we still have armed military holding down, locking down Washington, <laughs> D.C., uh, despite the fact that some of the uh, better governors have pulled their folks back. Uh, the Democrats in control, they hate the military. They hate the police, but they're sure happy to have them there. 
we currently have being held – I don't, don't think there's any other way to put it – political prisoners sitting in jail currently. Uh, the leader of the Cowboys for Trump currently sitting in a jail cell uh, without bail. The bail's not even going to be allowed because the gentleman simply refuses to acknowledge a legitimate Biden win. That's it. Meanwhile, the same judge uh, gets a left-wing activist who shows up, uh, did some crazy stuff, was screaming, let's burn it down. This is our stuff. Let's burn it down. Uh, and all he had to do was play patty cakes when he shows up, and uh, he's released on his own cognitive. Uh, so you know, we've got the political prisoners, anybody who still supports Trump, anybody who still is not willing to say uh, this was not a legitimate election we just went through. Yeah, we've got the constant lockdown. We've got big tech doing everything to try to help squash any information to the contrary. And we have all this inner working where uh, Joe Biden doesn't have a clue what's really going on around him. He signed more executive orders now in the first 20 days of his uh, regime's current installment uh, than nearly any other uh, presidency in its entirety. In fact, I, I, we may have crossed that threshold now. I, I need to go back and double-check. We may very well have crossed the threshold. He may be in record-setting territory, and that's a major accomplishment considering uh, where Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama had been. And out of frustration, some of the things that Donald Trump had to do through executive actions. Uh, again, I, I wish we could return to normal where we had this understanding that the executive orders really didn't have much power outside of the executive branch and how they went about doing things. They're not laws. Congress needs to get back to doing their jobs. But we're also now seeing this ridiculous sham of a show trial that's also intended to be political theater with the notion, the idea, the imagery, the virtue signaling of we're in charge now and the rest of you better get in line or you're going to be next. And you know what? I this may seem like a little diversion here, but I wouldn't blame Donald Trump one bit if he were to say, screw you, America, the hell with it, and move his stuff to Scotland. If you've ever seen that property, Lord have mercy, you'll wonder why he's not there. It is one of the most beautiful pieces of, pieces of real estate on the entire planet, and I'm not exaggerating one bit. And he'd just say, screw it, because he did – the good faith effort, and I mean that in full throttle, the good faith effort. I've never seen a president or well, very few elected officials. For, I haven't seen many ministers. Let's get to the, to, to, the, to the real crux here. I have not seen many ministers that have stood up for the principles of God to the level that John, Donald John Trump has. I, I haven't. Um, maybe um, Billy Graham – and a few others, but no, I haven't. And to take it on the chin like that, I'll never forget when he was first in office and there was a bunch of ministers in there, find out they were there just to um, fatten their resume. They didn't give a rip about the president. Many of them turned on him. Uh, he told them, he said, look, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? I understand that I'm a new Christian and you all look at me like I'm this horrible heathen. But how come you guys have not been standing and fighting for your own rights and for your people? What is this? Um, because Donald Trump knows history, and he knows that the beginning of this country was inspired by 
the Black Robe Regiment, who were ministers, who understood the Word of God and wanted to be in a land which the pilgrim came to where they could freely exercise their rights to worship the true and the living God via his son, Jesus Christ, without being molested by government by any stretch of the imagination. Trump understood that before he became born again, and and, and he was willing to put it on the line for the principles. Now these wicked beings have been given allowed free reign. Oh, guess what? We're going to try to throw you out of Mar-a-Lago now on some little technicality. Oh, guess what? We're happy that you've lost one half of your wealth. Forget the fact that he never took any more than a dollar, a dollar a year. So it basically was a quarter per – 25 cents per quarter. I think that's how they're paid, I think. Um, And and yet just the abject hatred, which is allowed. I understand the left hating. The left have always been hateful. If you remember – uh, we were young guys during the, the, the Reagan years. So, I mean, this is nothing new. But for them to be allowed from heaven on down to have this full-throttled authority in the midst of when millions of people were standing up for for what is right, and we finally had a president that was doing the same, leading, willing to lead the charge, I would not blame him if he said, you know what, screw it. I'm out, and I res- and I give – and I you can keep – your citizenship by now. I would not blame him. I would try to ask him, go, hey, you know, uh, Mr. Trump, you know, uh, uh, you know, you want to uh, work on getting a media situation? Why don't we start it? I'd say, hey, I'll, I'll help you out in uh, Scotland. Scotland, old guy. Seriously, I would because I've never, I've never, uh, Tim, I've never seen this, this, I cannot let it go. I have never seen. What has been allowed from heaven and on earth, the Republican traitors, six of them, going along with this madness. They should be – They should be. well, I can't say it, but they, they should be dealt with. Well, I got to say that I'm certainly along with you right there, and I'll, I'll make the trip to Scotland with you too if that's what we've got to do. <laughs> I think as long as they don't get a good look at me, I can work on my brogue a little more, and we'll see what we get there. I might even be passing on occasion. <laughs> now, I, you're right. I you can't blame him if that's what he decided to do. But I do do hope that he will stay in the fight at some level, uh, and understand that these people are part of the swamp and they still want to destroy him. We need somebody to try to help counterbalance what is going on with the evil machinations and the big money being thrown in from people like, oh, I'm going to say it, the spooky dude, uh, the the. <laughs> Boogeyman, Georgie Porgy, uh, George Soros. Yeah, I went ahead and said it, and now I'm uh, going to have uh, this one uh, tossed off of the YouTube connection too. But uh, <laughs> I'm beating yourselves up. Uh, looking in the chat room, uh, Chief, right now, uh, he he said that he's totally in favor of impeaching Trump, uh, and after he's acquitted, impeach him again and again for the next 22 months. Let Congress do nothing except impeach Trump. That might be the safest thing for America, only we know that's not going to happen either because when was the last time Congress did anything? Oh, boy, you don't want to have a clock ticking on that one. Uh, it would be ticking without any answers for a long time. Uh, I like I – like, um, I like his concept, though. Let yeah. them keep impeaching over and over again. But the problem is, 
There's only one fly in the ointment. Uncle Joe Biden is still being allowed to destroy the nation through executive orders. That has to be stopped. That man has to drop along with uh, the hag. Um, What's her name? I I dislike her so much I literally can't remember her name. Who who are they calling? Who are they calling the vice president? Oh, yeah, Miss Kamala. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I, I literally – I, I literally squeezed her out of my uh, out of my. I, I, Tim, I've never. I, I I really try to keep from hating people, but once you get to a certain level, and I know that you're just getting away with murdering our nation, I'm there, man. I I, I and I and I am just thrown for a loop as to wonder why this was allowed to happen. Now I can understand if the people were not reaching out to God. I could understand if our president wasn't trying his best. To rule in favor of godly principles, was he perfect? No. But I, last time I checked, there was no none perfect but Jesus. So okay, that we need to toss that out. So I, there's no commonsensical reason why um, we're we're at this place because the swamp and you know these these excuse makers or well, Ron, all of this had to be exposed. Well, dude, if you weren't bright enough to understand how much was exposed even before the election, which should have been cleaned out, which should have been enough concern, a cause rather, for the cleaning out of the swamp. I'm talking about Washington, D.C. They ought to burn it down and um, – oh, I shouldn't have said that. They should bull, they should bulldoze it and rebuild the Capitol somewhere else. It Quick, is, Ron, you're, you're real quick going to have to uh, pronounce your allegiance to Antifa. Or to BLM, so that you can get away with saying "burn it down." Uh, otherwise, they will be coming for you. Oh yeah, as a as 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 a BLM uh, <laughs> member, of course, it's about uh, you know fire, fire and brimstone, um, BLM style. Right. So uh, there you there you go. Um, but but seriously, I I I, I just am uh, I'm looking at all these stories. It doesn't matter what site, Breitbart or whatever. And I am just just disgusted. I I've, I've never felt well. I felt like this under Ali Obama when I saw all the cl- the stores closing and everything all over the the country. But we're getting back to that on purpose. Now what now what they're coming up with now, in order to control us. Now they're coming up and thinking about enforcing us having to wear two masks. Right. When it's already been proven the suckers don't work. Period. Anyway, and number two, in the states like Florida, to a lesser degree in Ohio, Texas, South Dakota, where it it's more free. Yes, the man-made Corona China virus is there, but proportionately there are fewer cases, and the cases are going down. And by the way, the majority of the population is walking around in those particular states very healthy. Yeah. So and, – and, and, and they're talking about – I don't know if you've read up on what's in these vaccines. These things change your DNA. This is – see, it was bad enough with the flu virus, which killed a lot of people, including my own mother-in-law, okay, that they were getting all the elderly people to take. She was a healthy lady, took it, said, oh, my God, at Christmas – I've never felt uh, this the same since I took the virus in the autumn, and by that March, following March, she was bumped off. This virus that they're coming out is infinitely worse. 
It changes your DNA, okay? And, and, and there is no recovery from it. There is no antidote for it. it. They're trying to manipulate our genes in our body in order to change our mindset. Well, you know, all, all, all that soy uh, and all the soy milk, <laughs> it, it, it only worked for the folks that were drinking the soy milk. And Now they've seen the results. They're trying to find a way to get the rest of us. Uh, I mean, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, it is utterly absurd. I mean, here we are. We, we should be uh, looking at opening back up, moving forward. We've seen uh, – they keep telling us, follow the science. Follow the, the science tells us things are getting better, but they still want to paint the doom and gloom because they want the control, plain and simple. Yeah, because they want to kill us. And even if it's not a physical killing, they want to kill us. They want to kill our spirits. They want to kill our, our will as, as, as sovereign, free individuals of, of liberty. That's, that they want slaves. They want serfs. And if you don't believe me, folks, read, go and, 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 and study out Bill Gates and what he wants to do and why he feels and what he feels about you and I as individuals. And how many of us he would like to have gone so that he and his elite could live in what he deems to be a, a, a perfect world. And he's not the only one. Many of the Democrats feel that way. Why do you think that nasty Pelosi told Israel, um, Netanyahu, F the Americans, we're on your side? Mm. And, they, and see, see as, nice, as much as I like Netanyahu, and I was warned about this years ago by a, a fellow – a conservative uh, uh, Jewish friend of mine. Um, when I first had the opportunity to to meet Netanyahu, he, when he came to this area, and I was just, oh wow, I get to meet Net Netanyahu, the second best uh, leader of Israel in my lifetime. And he said, Ron, Ron, settle down, settle down. He's not what you think. Is he the worst? No. Is he is he Ali Obama? No, he's not. No, Ali Obama wasn't even in the picture then. But whoever was our liberal president at the time uh, might have been George – I think it was George George W. Bush. And Ron, 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 I'm, I'm going to tell you that he's a globalist. He's not anti-Israel like the, the American globalist, but he is a globalist. And that's what Nancy, Nasty Nancy was referring to when he told Netanyahu, F the Americans, we're, on, we're with you. Yet, um, this lunatic, who everyone, all the idiots were running around saying how stupid Biden is. And I tried to warn people, look, you are the dummies. You all are focusing on how dumb Biden is all the, because he's a gaffe machine. I don't know. I said I don't understand his problem in that area. He does look stupid, but he's not stupid. And be warned, while you're focusing on that, he and his evil cohorts – are focusing on cheating and finding a way to win and rule over us. And Mr. Gaff Machine, who's so stupid, is doing what? Literally scribbling our sovereignty away every time he writes anything when he's in the Oval Office. So, you know, we, our side did in some areas focus on the wrong stuff. Now our border is back open. They stopped the construction of the wall, um, which nasty Pelosi and, and Biden recently called stupid, the stupid wall. And But who are the stupid people? Our side. 
So here we are. Yeah. Done, done, done. Yeah, I, I, you, you're absolutely dead on, and I, I, I can't agree with you more. I, I, it's not physically possible. Uh, these people are working against us, and they've been out in the open. And we did – I know I particularly focused a lot on the gaffes and all the efforts and over and over again reminded people why is Joe Biden still in the race given that every step of the campaign he was doing things that would have ended any other campaign. And I – Equated part of that to how weak the overall field of Democrats that were running uh, were because they were horrible. The majority of the average American voters that looks once normal see whatever that looks like these days, they couldn't bring themselves to vote for a lot of the people in that crowd. So Biden was still their safe pick. They needed that front guy, and I still think that that's mostly what he is, that he's on board with whatever they've got going on. He has – Already stabbed in the back a majority of the groups and organizations that helped propel that ticket mm-hmm. uh, and showed support and gives them some level of legitimacy so they can at least pretend like they had numbers close enough to challenge had it been a legitimate election, which, you know, again, now we don't necessarily have to go down that part. But what's even more infuriating to me right now, Ron, is you said something a minute ago about how things should have been taken care of a long time ago, and it should have been taken care of so long ago that we should have never needed Donald Trump. We Ew. should have we should have never needed to get to the point where that we needed a rough and tumble, coarse language, ready to sock them back at any time uh, kind of fighter. We should have been able to get by with the statesman who was willing to fight behind the scenes to stand up for what was right. We should have people that are in both parties that are willing to stand up for the right thing and put America in the proper context of what needs to be done, and more importantly, put God in the proper context. So you're absolutely right with that. And one of the things that was driving that point home to me earlier while I was thinking about it is I was hearing a a snippet from one of these people at this uh, – I don't even know that we can call it a show trial, uh, Ron, because there's not a judge. It's just one of the one of the adversaries that's setting in place of the judge, but it, it at least looks like a political show trial. But one of the things they said there was that this uh, this difficult desecration of the Capitol that took place on the sixth, and I'm thinking to myself, how is the Capitol now any more sacred than the cities of Seattle? Or Portland, because while there was a time, Ron, I would have said, yes, our capital is sacred. I'm afraid that capital has been desecrated for at least a couple of decades, and you can make an argument for longer by some of the people that have been going into that building proclaiming to be doing the work of the people while that's actually been doing anything but. That holy temple for liberty has been desecrated long before those random individuals made their way into the Capitol building on the 6th of January. And I'm sorry, now that we know the outcome uh, of uh, all these people who died in that attack, we now know that literally the only person that was killed as a direct result of entering that building was actually the young lady who was shot by a Capitol police officer. 
None of the police officers died as a direct result. They they don't even know what the one guy who they thought was hit by the fire extinguisher. They don't know what he died from now. So all the exaggerations and all this other stuff, what point do we recognize that the desecration it, – it didn't happen on January 6th of, the, uh, of this year. It happened a long time ago with these people who put themselves first above everything else. Hmm. Whew. Your explanation is is uh, is spot on and should be nationwide uh, for everyone to hear what you just said. It's um, very true and very sad, heartbreaking at the same time, and uh, infuriating because it is so true. And I understand the damage that it has been done and is being done and shall be done if it is not brought to heal. Yeah. This damage has been going on for a long time. It started in mass. I'll go all the way back to 1871. The other side has been working and chipping away like rats trying to get through a brick wall, just chipping away patiently, patiently, patiently. They did minimal damage until, as Khrushchev said, we will better you. Well, he should have said, you will better yourselves. As the communists became more infiltrated, in our government school system and in our churches and poison the minds of the masses. Out of the masses come what? People that run for office, people that become professors, people that become preachers, people that get into media, people that get into entertainment, people that become parents and then, oh Lord, breed and make more little leftists. And it just goes on and on and on, and they permeate our society. Everywhere the leftists have any control, it becomes dull. The fun is gone. Every time now, because I look at One America News a lot when I, when I do watch TV news, it's heartbreaking because they show these wonderful shots of uh, Trump at a rally – or with dis- going over decisions that he made that were great for the nation. And I just – and I look longingly back at those days because you and I both know that America was on her way up big, 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 big time. Had he been reelected and all of those economic policies will remain were to remain in place, by now you and I would be talking about with much glee and frivolity – about the economic growth to come, which would have already been starting by now, with the pipeline, the wall, the international agreements around the world that were starting to reap benefits, the international um, human trafficking business that uh, would, was was being curtailed, the going after little babies for the you know to protect them from the John Podesta types. Uh, were being curtailed. Now, unbeknownst to me why, God allowed it, it's all being ratcheted back up. All the wonderful agreements that were bringing peace, and I and one thing that I had predicted, and I could tell, I, I, I remember I didn't say it publicly, I was even afraid to say it on your show, but I told my wife privately, I said, Kim Jong-un actually likes President Trump. I can see it. I could really see at that time when Trump Trump popped in and he showed up at the um, demilitarized zone, and I saw how he greeted him. 
oh, I didn't know you were coming. And he made, he got his butt, you know, he rolled his round behind over there and, and saw Trump. And I could tell he was working on sh- shutting down the cruel activities and the concentration camps and all the crap that is, has been encouraged by China. And now he's back under Chinese pressure to go back to being what his granddaddy and daddy were. And he was like, damn, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, holy mackerel, um, I'm, in, I'm in between a rock and a hard place. And so um, here we are, Tim. I mean, we, I don't care where you look in the world, there were things because of the Trump effect that were happening on a, in a positive light. And yes, of, of course, uh, globalist pigs like uh, Merkel and uh, and others around the world, uh, the the French prime minister, uh, the um, Canadian punk prime minister, the even the Mexican president, but he was being nice, he was being obedient, he was protecting that border and keeping those yahoos, those fleabag humans, out of our country, helping Trump because Trump may give give him an offer he couldn't refuse. And so that that's why he did. Now the offer, everything has changed. And so now the leftists, as they do, and as they've done for decades in, in urban communities, black communities around America, they come up with policies and principles that are that are um destructive to the, whatever population they rule over. They bring in other things and policies and people that destroy the people that elect them on a regular basis. Unlike the urban communities, the majority of Americans aren't liking this stuff. Okay? Now, the reason why I said I think they need to get rid of the um, the Capitol in D.C. is because the Democrats are so sick, they are so retarded, that they would allow that black population there to vote to make it a state. Two more on their side. Two more evil Democrat representatives on their side. Uh-uh. I, re- I say, you know what? Someone as someone told me that lives in that area, open the floodgates. Do a diversion, do a diversion from the Potomac River and just flood it and make it back into a, a natural swamp and let it rot out. And, 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 and whoever can get out can get out. Yeah. Turn it literally into what it is figuratively right <laughs> yes, now. Yeah, because that's what it was originally. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell you what, Rod, we're we're going to have to take that mid-hour break. We've we've run a little long, and obviously sure. I've got to get an Edwards notebook in. I got to get a songs and story, and I've got to get a uh, Dan Walsh Second Amendment uh, uh, PSA in uh, in this hour. But before we do that, uh, I, I'm going to ask you a really hard philosophical question. If you had to choose which of the following novels more accurately depicts where we are as a civilization, as a society right now, 1984, Animal Farm, or Brave New World? Jeez. Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. And I read them all. Let's see. Um, we've we've surpassed 1984. 
in my opinion. In many ways, we have surpassed. Animal Farm seems more likely because we see all these animals in the streets of America. We saw them in the Animal Farm. I'll just go with that. Fair enough. The uh, correct answer is all three simultaneously, but I'll take your answer. Okay. Ron, stay right where you're at, brother. Uh, we'll pick it up on the other side. We're going to talk a little bit about this uh, – the whole point of hyperbole and lies by omission when we get back. I think you've got a good idea where I'm headed. In the meanwhile, everybody else stay right where you're at, and I'll be back right after this with uh, Mr. Ron Edwards. The First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution states Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Congress may be instructed to not prevent free speech, but unfortunately government educators who have indoctrinated generations of Americans have created a society where individuals from all walks of life outside of Congress are seeking to destroy our right of free speech and freedom of the press. For example, Alex Stamos, former security officer for Facebook, is calling for major carriers like Verizon, AT&T, and others to strip One America News and Newsmax from their platforms because they do not march to the same political drumbeat as Fox and CNN. Stamos, a political leftist, in support of open borders and eliminating free speech unless you support a philosophy that reflects Marx or Chairman Mao. As dastardly as the war against true freedom of the press may be, there is plenty of blame for such madness to go around, including the cesspool called the government school system that indoctrinated individuals like Alex Stamos. Mm-mm-mm. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Welcome, I'm Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Many veterans have been in the hospital throughout the pandemic without the ability to see family or loved ones. As a result, depression is on the rise. Here's your veterans tip of the day. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us and click on the donate button to contribute an MP3 system to a veteran. You can help fight depression. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. This has been your veterans tip of the day. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks because not too long ago they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system, and if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets, demanding that government take away their rights. All for that assault weapons ban, to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines, because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. 
People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions, schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? Also yeah. don't need home protection. Um, oh. you, don't, you don't need guns for home protection. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action and you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country, we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones, all things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to goodgunbadguy.net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back after that fully huge break uh, where a lot of wisdom being dropped by a lot of great people. Number one, Ron Edwards right off the bat, who fortunately we have him with us right now, and we'll continue that conversation momentarily. Dan Perkins, who will be joining me tonight in the second hour, uh, long overdue, and of course he's got some new projects he wants to talk about. And then Dan Wass, who has been on the show a couple of times. Uh, yeah, you probably caught him over at Annie's show a few times, and now he's doing his own thing too. And as uh, the Wass Media Group continues to grow, his reach is uh, improving leaps and bounds. So a lot of very, very provocative and uh, thought-inclining uh, individuals that are uh, dropping some truth bombs on you, uh, starting with this guy right here. Ron, uh, again, thank you so much for joining me tonight, and before we dive into this last topic, uh, before we have to part company tonight, let everybody know where they can find your work. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tim. Oh, you can catch the Ron Edwards American Experience Sundays through Fridays now um, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 Pacific time. That's on mojo50.com, mojo50.com. And also it's in rebroadcast um, on iHeartRadio, Roku, and uh, uh, other Spreaker and, and elsewhere. Also, you can catch uh, my show in rebroadcast on nu numerous uh, terrestrial outlets throughout the country. Many of them are listed on my website, theronedwards.com. And also, you can catch the Edwards Notebook literally on hundreds of radio stations overnight, 
doing the Captain's America Third Watch, which is a uh, GCN um, syndicated show on over 260 stations right now and growing. Also, you can catch my uh, weekly columns at uh, News with Views as well as America Out Loud. And we've got some uh, new additions uh, coming up in the very near future to talk about. All right. I look forward to to talking about those as, uh, again, your reach continues to grow, uh, which is certainly a good thing. All right, Ron, I kind of teased it earlier. I haven't really went full board. uh, I haven't really addressed it just yet because I've been kind of torn on some of the issues. Mm -hmm. Got to get to it, and I'll probably readdress it again later, but while I've got you on, uh, you know, I wanted to give – Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the benefit of the doubt as much as I could, because I I don't think she is some uh, diabolical Mariarty-type antithesis to the American way. I think she is a victim of a poor uh, indoctrination, and I think that she's a puppet who has a lot of strings being pulled uh, and you know, if, if I'm not giving her enough credit, then so be it. But she made the statement. She came out very strongly in regards to this whole Robin Hood stock thing, uh, and Ted Cruz uh, joined in on Twitter, said totally agree, trying to establish some common ground. You know, trying to do that uh, unifying thing we keep hearing from the left. Of course, we know that uh, their idea of unifying is we bend the knee. Uh, we either join them, it's convert or die. Uh, they might as well be Islam right now. Uh, you convert or you die. They don't even want to take taxes from us. They just want to kill us if we don't agree. We must be silenced. But she immediately then goes to this, uh, you just tried to have me murdered. So uh, no, I, I don't want you to help with this. Go away, which doesn't seem very uh, magnanimous, doesn't seem like I'm trying to build any kind of uh, – of unity, and then she gives this uh, – what was it, Instagram or wherever she was on. She gives this long video where she gives this account, claims that she was sexually assaulted, and uh, talks about how she literally thought her life was endangered. And I went through, and, and I looked, and I double-checked, and I was very careful because uh, when this first went out, I did make the point when the word uh, came out that she wasn't in the Capitol building when all this went down. Uh, I specifically framed it as the media intentionally misled everyone in reporting this because I never saw anywhere specifically where AOC claimed to have been there. She was very careful with the words she used. I don't think she directly lied at any point. The media tried to frame it that way, but then where I kind of went back and now feel like she is intentionally lying is she tries to build up how terrible it was in her office building. When it wasn't. So I'm back on the, okay, well, now you're lying through uh, lies of admission and uh, lies of distortion. So at this point, now that I've ran my mouth and we've only got about uh, eight minutes left, uh, what is your take on the whole business uh, from point A to point B here, as as much as you can fit in? There's not much to fit in. The uh, young lady, AOC, is uh, full of. Uh, Bull capital S with a hit, and she is – I don't think she's as naive as you're portraying her. She's bitter. Um, a lot of folks don't know that uh, she's tried to run a business, 
yeah. uh, and failed miserably. And I think she became bitter and said, well, if I can't succeed, I want to I want to destroy capitalism and make it bad for everyone. And I think she's on that mission, as you know, as are most Democrats and uh, some Republicans as well. And I think this is what it's all about. She's on a mad mission to uh, destroy the country. And uh, the same as Chucky Schumer. Uh, they're just different um, generations, so they have different styles of, of, of approaching that particular mission. But it's all the same. They're all one and the same. And I don't um, – I would never, ever – and that's, I think that's one big mistake on our side, Tim. I think this is the first mistake you've made since uh, I've had conversations with you. You never, ever underestimate, even in a joke, you never underestimate your enemies on the other side. Um, and I and I and I think we I hope that we've all learned our lesson by now with her, with um, um, <clears throat> Mr. Gaff, um, Biden and all these other people. They, they, they are not dumb one whatsoever. They're all on this mission together. And by the way, you mentioned something about a long ago how Congress has been at it. Well, people didn't even know that during the George Bush, George W. Bush administration, you had 70 communists in Congress then. They were just quiet about it because there were still enough Americans who would have, you know, there would have been a big stink made about it. And uh, even at that time, as much as they went after George W. Bush because they thought he was conservative, there would have been some acquiescence if, if the people, you know, really made a stink about it. But it was reported. I read and they named names. It was about 70 of them back then. And the number has increased now. And so they, she, along with all the others, they feel that they're in the uh, catbird seat. They've been allowed to get there. It's not feeling it. They, they are there. You know, I'm not going to play around with it. And uh, they're allowed to say, do. I mean, she could, um, I hate to be vulgar, but she could crap in the street and they would call it applesauce on a plate. Well, actually, uh, in San Francisco, I think that's actually how <laughs> it was part of the plan. Uh, that's how uh, Pelosi does fundraising, I think. Uh, but to, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt the vitriol and the passion and the ideology uh, in AOC's case. I just, I, I really just don't think she's some genius level 3D chess player in this game. I, I see too many of the same talking points that are put forward by the other uh, justice Democrats, uh, if that's uh, something we can really call them. I know it's what they call themselves. Uh, but but it's always the same thing, and half the time she doesn't even realize when something she's saying in the same sentence uh, that is contradictory to one another. Yeah, uh, but, it, go but, ahead. But, but Tim, I get where you're going, and the reason why I keep beating this drum is because – okay, let's I'll, – I'll pretend for a minute that I agree with you that she's really that – she's really that dumb, okay? I, I – Try not to go there as much is because then that means if she's that dumb, what does that say about the voters who reelected her, by the way, with all of her misjudgments, misspeaks, 
and all of these things, but she's been very consistent on her philosophical belief, unlike many Republicans, by the way. Um, so this is why I fail to I, – I would treat her as if she was a, a, a genius, and we should have been more on the ball in that regard in this battle. And it, had we been that way and treated them like the uh, uh, the King Kong gorilla level enemies that they are, I do not believe we would be in this situation right now because we would have fought harder. Um, we would have done better to – at the local level, Republicans have been notoriously asinine and stupid themselves, more retarded than, than AOC because they have loosened their grips on local issues. Local positions in politics, which the Democrats were more than happy to fill all those spots, and that's how they were able to work their way up and get everyone in position so they could cheat, lie, and there are so many crooked people in so many places because they've been working on this, termites, just quietly, just working while we're focusing, focusing on the big picture only and for the most part but not focusing on the little area, and look where we're at. So those guys like Ayok and, and uh, Chucky Schumer, all of them know how to play that game. Whether they say stupid stuff or not, or even contradictory things in the same sentence or not, they're the ones in the catbird seat and in control, while the more intelligent Republicans, wink, wink, are where they are. So... You know, I, I look at results more than communications yeah. or, or whatever. Um, and I have to I have to conclude. To look where we're at. So, who who are the dummies? Well, I I, I definitely uh, get what you're saying, sir, and I don't disagree with your general premise. But I do tend to think there's still a difference uh, between the front man who's selling <laughs> the plan and the guy behind the scenes. That's setting the plan in motion. There is a Mariotti. Uh, I don't think it's AOC. I don't think it's Chuck Schumer. But Chucky would come closer. Uh, that's going to have to be it for us tonight, sir. Again, thank you so much for joining us again. Glad to, to be back on track with you. Look forward to our next opportunity, yes. sir. God bless and keep up the good work. Real quick, Tim, Tim. even AOC is smart enough, unlike Romney, to be loyal to their side. <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless you and your audience. It has always been a treat, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. You do the same, sir. Thank you much. Thank you. Take care. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was, of course, Mr. Ron Edwards, host of the uh, Ron Edwards American Experience, as well as the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook. And, uh, of course, in the show description here at BTR, there is a link to the website, theronedwards.com. Uh, and I say that for the benefit of those of you who maybe you're listening to the rebroadcast. Because of the rebroadcast on radio, you may be about to say goodbye to me for now. Uh, so in that case, be sure to tune in again tomorrow, and remember, whatever else you take, don't take my word for not one little bit of it. You do your own homework, boys and girls, and no cheating, uh, but open book is fine as long as it's not the 1619 project that you're reading. <laughs> meanwhile, uh, you know, you got to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Stay where you're at. If you're here live, hour number two starts in just a moment.
built upon a solid dream Like nothing else the world has seen We built a promise on a dream We built a promise we 13 We crossed the land bridge Across the ocean Broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Glad to be back on the air with you. Uh, certainly glad uh, to be here uh, doing the regular show right here uh, at BTR. Still, we'll be doing the live thing on Wednesdays at least. Uh, for the foreseeable future, but in the meanwhile, I uh, want to extend welcome to the folks hanging out with me in the chat room. We've got uh, Bigfoot, blogger extraordinaire, back in with us. Uh, 
Been missing you, Bigfoot. Uh, I know I haven't been on a whole lot. The few times I have been back on, uh, you obviously haven't been looking for me. I'm uh, doing better things, too, I would imagine. But glad to have you back. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you don't believe me that he's a blogger extraordinaire? Uh, go check out his work, okay? Don't take my word for it. Go check out his stuff. Uh, Bigfootsplace.blogspot.com. And, uh, you know, you won't doubt me uh, again, at least not about that. Uh, we've also got Chief hanging out with us as well. He's a, a host of a great show in its own right. Uh, you know it well. If you're a longtime listener, it is Simple Facts of Life. And, uh, of course, the easiest way to find it, if you are so inclined, is to go to blogtalkradio.com. And uh, you'll see that little search window at the top of the homepage when you land there. You can, if you so choose, put in QMCUSN. It'll take you straight away. However, you are not familiar with that. Uh, or if you're driving around, if you're listening to the rebroadcast, as this show is rebroadcast on great radio stations across the country, stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, and the stations like WCETFM, uh, that, of course, the Talk of Columbia in Columbia, South Carolina, just to name a couple, uh, then you may be driving around, and you're not in a position to to go check that out right now. And if that's the case, maybe you get back home. You're like, hey, what was that? Uh, what was that again? I remember Blog Talk Radio. That's that's easy. But what were those letters? Well, then just put in simple facts of life. You'll scroll down a little bit. You'll see the page, and you can check out the the plethora of great uh, archived shows. Or if you're so inclined, you can normally join him live on Tuesdays. He gets started about 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you, of course, can adjust to your time zone accordingly. Now, with that being said, I am scheduled to be joined by Mr. Dan Perkins in this hour, as this is, in fact, the second hour of the live broadcast occurring on uh, February the 10th. And uh, I'm hoping to uh, reach out to him. I, I tried calling to, to connect just a minute ago and did not get a uh, response. Uh, we really weren't scheduled till about five after. Uh, I like to try and give uh, Dan a lot of extra time because he's got a lot of great stories. He's got a lot of good stuff to go on. Definitely want to talk about some of his newest projects and also want to get some of uh, his thoughts on current uh, news topics. So uh, I will try uh, calling him again here uh, in just a moment, and I'll just go ahead and do that live on the air, and we'll see if we can get connected uh, as I'm hoping we'll be able to uh, do exactly that. If not, rest assured, we will reschedule if we don't make that connection. That's what we do. Uh, Dan is uh, usually very committed to making sure that uh, that he gets the word out, whatever the word is, whether you're talking about songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day, whether he's talking about America's cannabis conversation, whether he's talking about uh, the newest project or any number of his great books, whatever it may be, uh, he's definitely uh, – what's the good word? Passionate? Passionate on getting that out? So here, let's go ahead if you will – uh, indulge me, and we'll just uh, try to connect live on air. I'm not even going to put him into the screening room. We're going to hit the dial, and uh, we'll try to ring him up. So this is always very, very not fun during live radio, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get that connection. Dan Perkins. Hey, Dan. Uh, Tim Tap here. Uh, glad to have you on. We're, we're going directly on air. Uh, glad to have you here with me, sir. Uh, 
Yeah, it, it's been too long. It, it has been too long since last you were with me. Uh, so first of all, long, welcome a back. Long time. How are you? Yeah. I'm sorry. How are you doing? Say that again. I'm fine, thank you. And uh, yourself? I, I, it's been months. It, it has been. It, it's been uh, way longer than uh, than we've done it previously, and uh, part of it has been tech stuff on my end. I, I've been reluctant to schedule guests hardly at all. Uh, but uh, some of the folks uh, that uh, have been listening, uh, especially folks hanging out in the chat room, they will tell you I have said several times on air, long overdue, uh, glad to finally have you back. And uh, you've been busy, sir. You've been very busy. Uh, so yes. I, I, w- I want to talk about some of the topical news stories, but we'll save that to the later part of the conversation. Let's jump in with some of your newer projects. And uh, I know you had wanted to talk a little about the uh, Empower Self-Care so if it's all yes. right with you, let's jump right in right there. Yeah, um, I ran into a situation probably four or five months ago where I was uh, on another show and we were interviewing this gentleman who was uh, one of the senior officers of this company. And he was telling me, telling us about these two new products called, and the company is called CV Sciences and one was called CV Acute. And the other was called CV Defense, and and they they were actually designed um, before the pandemic as supplements to strengthen the immune system. But as the 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 pandemic unfolded, we as a as a nation became more and more aware of the importance of having a a, a functioning immune system. So I have this show, nationally syndicated show, called America's Cannabis Conversation, which is one of my projects. Um, We started that show a year ago last October, October the 5th. And we started it with one one podcast structure uh, through Spreaker. Right now, we have... um, AMFM 24/7, which gives us approximately 1.9 million listeners a month. We have um, BBS Radio, which is on 165 stations. Is another network. Third network is uh, cable radio news, CRN, and they bring us. Uh, 300 cable television stations and direct access to air our show on Roku, which now is 50 million subscribers. So we've come a long way since the year of October as building an audience. Anyway, uh, I was so impressed with the people at CV Sciences. I put on a proposal and they're now a major corporate sponsor for our show, which can be heard at, W420radionetwork.com. Um, and it really has created a situation where uh, w- when we started the, the network, W420 Radio Network, we decided we wanted to reinvent radio and we want to reinvent talk. And so what we've done over almost a year and a half We've created a situation where we've had some phenomenal people. Uh, I just had um, 
about two or three weeks ago, I had the the chairman of the largest cannabis company in the world, Erwin Simon. And uh, he will have control of both companies by the end of March when the shareholders vote. And we talked about what we were doing in, in terms of communication. We, we also have another situation where we have an organization called Scion TV, which is an international company that owns about 150 television networks around the world. They own 15 here in the United States. And we're taking the CV Sciences products uh, starting this week in a special marketing campaign where we're talking about the products in commercials. And we will be, in the next 60 days, we'll be in 70 million households in the United States talking about this product. So it has exploded into uh, a communication structure that allows us to to um, communicate not only about our show, but the the marketplace is going towards our show. The the Congress looks like uh, with Schumer that they're going to uh, finally tackle the the unjust illegal nature of cannabis and. Um, that will create an, a bigger, bigger market for us. We're talking to one of the – yesterday we finished the negotiations of another sponsor who will be what is the largest cannabis research company in the world who's going to be a major sponsor on our program. So um, I guess, as a friend of mine said, the first one's the hardest, but once you get the first one, they start coming. And so um, we're, we're, we're looking at the structure, and, and we've – We've figured out engineering-wise where <clears throat> in certain of our channels that are television-based, um, we can create a an MP4 file that plays as a radio broadcast until the commercial, and it automatically switches from, from uh, in essence, an MP3 to an MP4 video. So we can run, literally not, on certain networks, we can run video commercials on an audio program. And we're just starting that this week and uh, this coming weekend. So uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to get a lot of wonderful guests and uh, and be on a lot of shows. And uh, uh, our Songs and Stories for Soldiers Foundation, we did our fourth annual Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans uh, for two and a half weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, we were talking about it last summer. What, should we do it? Do you think we'll get enough people? And one of the one of the sponsors, uh, distrib- distribution sponsors, said, "I don't, I don't care how many we get. One is more than none. I've, I have a, a heart in my a special place in my heart for veterans, and as long as I'm around, I'm always going to be looking for opportunities. And I love the idea of providing shoes and socks for homeless veterans." So in about two and a half weeks during the pandemic, we re- we brought in 400 pairs of shoes and 1,000 pairs of socks uh, for homeless veterans. And the VA was just absolutely thrilled. And um, uh, I finished my Lincoln book, and, and my wife and myself are editing it in the final edit. And I started a new novel um, about three months ago 
which is my first entree into romance. But as I was looking at something to write about for my next, I, I try and push myself into new genres. And I found out that the number one genre in book sales <clears throat> storyline is about strong women prior to and during the Second World War. So I came up with a storyline called, called Sad Eyes, and it's a story about a young woman who's born in Waterloo, Iowa, in uh, 1917. And uh, in 1929, when the market crashes and the economy, she's a sophomore in high school and decides she wants to be a nurse. And But she doesn't want to be a nurse in Waterloo, Iowa. She wants to leave. She wants to get out of Waterloo. And she gets a a job, an opportunity to go to a school of nursing in Chicago. She goes there, graduates, and first in her class and works in Chicago for a number of years. Her roommate in college uh, moves to San Diego, working at the uh, the big, at that time, what was the Kaiser Hospital, and uh, convinces her that she's got to get out of that cold in Chicago, so she comes to California. And... Uh, and in 1939, she transfers to the military hospital in San Diego and in and meets a, a cadet in the Army Air Corps. And um, she gets reassigned to Hawaii, and he finishes his flight training, and his unit gets transferred to Hawaii. They fall really much in love in 1941, and on December excuse me, November the 28th, they get their, they get married and they're on their honeymoon on December 7th, 1941. And they're interrupted by the, the flight of the bombers coming across, going in to attack the, the, the harbor. So they get up and they get dressed and, and she has to go to the hospital because she's, she's been in charge of triage preparation for a possible attack. And, He's got to go and see if he can get his plane off the ground. And they um, they agree to come back in a year and finish their honeymoon. And uh, he goes back and he gets shot down. And she doesn't know whether he's dead or alive. She continues. And then at the end of the war, 1945, every year she goes back to the same hotel in Hawaii to see if he'll come back to her. And I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say if you if you tell us absolutely everything, uh, which I, I'm loving what you're telling us so far, by the way, uh, it, it does make it difficult to sell the book later. So, <laughs> which I'm sure you're aware. There's a lot of I, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that I've I, I is in the book that I didn't talk to you about that makes the book very interesting at a person who's who's going to a, a nursing school and working in a hospital on the west side of Chicago in the middle of the 1930s or the gangster era. I mean, there's all kinds of really interesting things that happened to her. And um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting story. And I've done something that um, my instructor who started me down this path six years ago, I talked to her about this book as I was writing it. And I told her what I was doing, and she said, I've never heard of that before. And so what I'm doing, every time at the end of every chapter, 
uh, there's a life lesson learned about what took place during that chapter. And so she's, yeah. she's writing this from the perspective of her life. What did she learn? What is she communicating to the nurses and the people that she's working with in her career as a head of nursing in a hospital and what's happening in her own life events? So it's the story of what happened in the chapter, but then at the end is what's the, what's the life lesson learned? And she said, that's, I've never seen that done. She said, I think you should do it in a different font so people understand that it's something different than the text that they've read. And it, it, it really is, it's, it's, it's her own personal insights about what's going on in her life, what she did, right. how she performed in the hospitals during the war, her relationship with her husband, uh, as short as it was, uh, her commitment to her own value system, as she's growing up and going through high school and into nursing school. So these, these snippets that are in the chapters uh, are, 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 in my opinion, they're very powerful. They make you stop and think about your own life. So she said, I've never seen that done before. I wish you all the luck. It sounds like it's a wonderful idea. And I'm writing yeah. now for probably, I don't know, 35 blogs uh, or more. Uh, on a rotating basis, um, and um, what else? Um, we're looking at a major sponsor for Songs and Stories for Soldiers. I don't know whether it'll happen or not, but we're trying. So keeping me busy. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've said before, uh, almost every visit you make, I, I don't know how you manage to uh, – to, to get so much out of every moment that goes by, your powers of time management are astounding to me. In fact, I'm almost convinced now, Dan, that you must have a time machine available. There's no other explanation. Uh, and, and you're always finding ways to challenge yourself. So uh, before I go any further and forget, congratulations on all the success as everything continues to grow with the American Cannabis uh, Conversation. I, I know uh, we got to talk uh, uh, one of the – not the last time, but one of the last few times you were here with us, you were just really getting started with that, and uh, mm -hmm. you know it, it really seemed like a a, a big departure from uh, where you had been previously. And you were talking mm -hmm. about uh, again changing genres with the things that you were writing, and you know at this point you you just constantly find new ways to challenge yourself and keep busy. It's not just enough to stay busy and do all these miraculous things, but you're not satisfied was staying in your comfort zone. So many people at this point in a career would be perfectly content staying in that comfort zone, not getting out of it. So, you know, again, a, a major tip of the hat, sir, on just continuing to challenge yourself. Uh, you are probably at this point, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but for uh, myself, uh, dabbling into the realm of uh, inspirational yourself, regardless of the life lessons in this upcoming book. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, as I said, the, the Lincoln book, um, which we finished this this past – I finished this past summer, uh, was four – it actually took longer to write the Lincoln book than the Civil War. It took four and a half years. <laughs> it took four and a half years to write it, and I've got uh, probably five months in editing. So it's, it's going to be well over probably five, five and a half years before it gets published. But again, this was – uh, an amazing story. It was one of those challenges after writing the terrorist books and the children's books to go into a new genre. 
of of historical fiction. And as we're sitting at the computers and going through uh, the the story in chapter after chapter, I, I've said to my wife many many times, I can't believe I wrote this. I mean, I really like mm-hmm. what it's what it's doing, what it's saying, the the characters, the the, the whole thing. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it, in publishing, it's going to be considered to be an epic, meaning it's going to be somewhere around 220,000 words, 235 to 240 chapters. And I tell people, there have been some people who have read the, read the manuscript in its raw form, and I, I say to people, if you're an honest reader, and Tim, what I mean by an honest reader, and that's the person who doesn't cheat and read the end of the book before he reads the beginning of the book. I say to people, if you... If you're an honest person, and I don't know how many pages this book is going to be, but I, I say, I use the example. If it's 435 pages, and the last chapter begins on page 432, you will have no idea what's going to happen in the last chapter of the book. And people mm-hmm. who have read it and stayed true to the form of just reading the book say, I... I just I don't know what to say about the ending. I mean, I I was blown away. I I didn't anticipate it. I didn't expect it. I knew what happened in Ford's Theater, but you had me believing that it was going to something else was going to happen in Ford's Theater, and and it was just um, it's a story. Uh, I probably have been because I've been a, a a Civil War buff and I've read hundreds of books on on the Civil War and the battles and the people. It's a book that's been in my brain for a long time. But to bring it to life and to create the characters and the names and to to be able to... Uh, I'll give you an example of the approach. Um, probably the most defining battle in the Civil War was Gettysburg. And people have written whole novels uh, or other historical books based just on the Battle of Gettysburg. And I told it in a, in a way that I believe has never been told before. And the people who read it said that the emotion and the power of what I did in about four pages, if you can imagine taking the Battle of Gettysburg and reducing it to four pages. But the Battle of Gettysburg is through one person's eyes and there's an amazing scene where he's on cemetery ridge as the confederates come across the corn the wheat field to attack at the angle and he's taken cover behind a stone and the volleys of bullets from the from pickett's army are striking the stone and he when the fighting stops and the smoke clears he stands up and everybody around him is dead Mm. and he walks in front of the stone and there are hundreds and hundreds of bullet marks in the stone and he all of his friends are dead he walks around and he puts his back on the stone and slides down with his head in his hands and his knees, and simply says, why me? 
why I'm the only one to survive. And so it's, it, it, it's an opportunity to tell stories about people uh, and, and, and the manipulation that takes place in war. And um, so it was a wonder, it was a wonderful, wonderful adventure. Uh, uh, and I, I guess that book was, I said to you earlier, it's always been inside of me, but, but um after hitting, after having written three novels in a trilogy in eighteen months, it was I was surprised that it took me four and a half years to write this big book. But yeah. I think the I think the sad eyes will probably be done in six to eight months, which is probably a more reasonable time. But right. and uh, my grandson wants to know when I'm gonna write a new sequel to my children's book, uh, Peter the Little Irish Seal. So I promised him after I finished Sad Eyes I would write him a book. But uh, yeah. I'm also also thinking at the same time about the fourth, excuse me, the fifth book in the trilogy uh, on Terrorist Gold, and um, I'm, I'm I'm writing it in my brain, so I I know what's going to happen. So that'll probably come later this year. But um, people seem to like those books, and they like the the way I tell the stories, and I think I've got a, an interesting twist. And um, so that's pretty much what I've been doing since the last time you and I talked. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, uh, Dan, can can you stay with me for the rest of the hour? Because I want to transition into your thoughts about some of the stuff going on, but I need to take a little bit of a break. Uh, do sure, you have go right time ahead. for that, or do you need to go? Uh, yes, I All do. Right. It's been a long time. All right. I, I try to block off. I, I learned my lesson a while back. I still remember I try to block off as much time as I can for you because I, I, I hate missing out on opportunities, and you do have a lot of interesting things to say. So uh, stay with me, Dan, and all you guys out there uh, listening, stay right where you're at. Uh, on the other side of this very brief break, uh, we will return with Mr. Dan Perkins. Uh, in the meanwhile, uh, here we go with an Edwards Notebook. On January 25, 1974, Ronald Reagan gave his famous Shining City on a Hill speech. He was bitterly opposed to the dark, dim direction our nation was heading. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, time does not permit me to share the Gipper's entire message, but his most inspiring conclusion is itself a message for the ages. And I quote, We cannot escape our destiny, nor should we try to. The leadership of the free world was thrust upon us two centuries ago in that little hall of Philadelphia. In the days following World War II, when the economic strength and power of America was all that stood between the world and the return to the Dark Ages, Pope Pius XII said, The American people have great genius for splendid and unselfish actions. Into the hands of America, God has placed the destinies of an afflicted mankind. We are indeed, we are today, the last best hope of mankind on earth. Today our republic is embroiled in a war between those on the political left who literally want to recast her as one nation under China and mob rule. And today's re-founding fathers who seek to reestablish our exceptional nation way of life with true liberty and justice for all. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. 
Hello, this is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Did you know that the unemployment rate for homeless veterans was twice the national average? And without proper shoes, it's hard to get a job? Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. People from all over the country helped us with our annual Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. There was a time this summer where we believed that probably it wouldn't be successful because of the pandemic, but decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We reached out in the local community and on the various radio shows that I'm on, asked for their support. In a little over three weeks, we received 400 pairs of shoes and over 1,000 pairs of socks for homeless veterans so they can go out and look for a job and have a decent pair of shoes to wear. We at Songs and Stories for Soldiers and all the 400-plus soldiers who will receive these shoes and socks say thank you for your generosity. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Let's talk about guns purely from a self-defense perspective. How many people are there in America? Well, if you said just over 300 million, you're correct. It's closer to 325 million. Now, let me ask you this. How many acts of violence are there per year in America? If you said just over 1 million, you're correct. It's approximately 1.2 to 1.3 million. So if there are just over 300 million people in America and just over 1 million acts of violence occurring in America every year, what are your chances of being the victim of one of those attacks? Well, if you said 1 in 300, you're correct. I don't know about you, but I don't like those odds. I know your odds might change depending on where you live, But if you live in an area with less crime, wouldn't that make someone else's odds go up? I mean, the number of people in America didn't change, and the number of violent attacks per year didn't change. Some of the highest crime rates in America are in Democrat-run cities, where there are the strictest and most restrictive gun laws in the country, putting good people at risk because they can't defend themselves. The anti-gun left and anti-freedom groups like the Everytown Gun Grabbers continue to paint a dishonest picture of guns in America by telling you that guns cause violence. This is why they push the term gun violence. It's to help people who aren't paying attention believe that if we were to remove guns, the violence would magically go away. The truth is, not having a gun is more likely to make you a victim of violence. Two and a half million times per year in America, guns are used to save lives. This doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy. By the way, 46% of those defensive gun uses are by women. The more guns are restricted, the more people are put at risk. The people who try to scare you and convince you that guns are the problem ignore the fact that we're all potential for being a 1 in 300 statistic. The people who ignore this are the same people who will purchase a lottery ticket with a 1 in 20 million chance of winning. They ignore the facts when pushing their agenda, and they know the odds that they're creating are dangerous. Human violence in America is not an argument for more gun restrictions. It's an argument for more guns in the hands of good people. So regardless of how desperate the anti-gun left is to disarm Americans, we've found a simple and effective way to defend yourself from violent attacks, rapes, carjackings, or shootings. Shoot back. Anti-gun hypocrisy has run rampant because of a dishonest media 
and an anti-gun political party that's willing to sacrifice our great American values, put good people at risk, and destroy cities with unnecessary violence just so they can gain political power. It's time we understand their strategy so we can defeat them. Our founding fathers saw these tyrants coming over 200 years away. That's why the Second Amendment was written. I'm Dan Watts. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. All right, everybody. Thank you so very much for staying with us through that. Uh, a little longer than previous breaks, but glad to have the uh, Dan Wass Second Amendment uh, PSAs added to the lineup. And uh, glad uh, to be part of the growing reach that uh, Dan has going on. Uh, quick reminder, do have links in today's show description to uh, Ron Edwards' website and to uh, danperkins.guru as well, as well as a link to check out Empower Yourself and the link that will take you to your option to listen to America's Cannabis Conversation. And you'll also notice, if you check that out, there's links to uh, My Patriot Supply and uh, the Hero Soap Company. Uh, if you'll follow the links as they are there, uh, they'll know that I sent you, and you'll be able to help support this show just a little bit. Uh, remember, uh, Hero Soap Company is probably one of the most America-first companies out there, and uh, nobody has been trying to help you live up to uh, being self-sufficient, which is the first standard for being uh, fully uh, emboldened in uh, individual liberty than My Patriot Supply. So uh, please follow those links, check out what's going on, and you know help support the show while you're at it. Meanwhile, I am joined today by Mr. Dan Perkins, and uh, Dan is on the line with us right now. Uh, for the biggest part of the first hour, he's been getting us caught up on a lot of the stuff he's been doing, which, by the way, just a spoiler, it's a lot. And if you missed it, go back and listen to the podcast and check it out. Um, Dan, uh, again, I, I'll Greatly appreciate you coming back on with us. Definitely going to have to make sure that uh, we don't have these large gaps as we did this time before we get together again. Yeah. One thing I wanted to uh, mention, Tim, I forgot, is that every every Wednesday I release a my my first podcast, and, and it's a commentary. And the title of the podcast is What's on My Mind. And I talk about uh, what I write about. And what's happening in current events in the United States and around the world. And it's on soundcloud.com and it's Dan Perkins. What's on my mind every Wednesday. All right. I'm glad we got that in too. Uh, I do generally try to make sure that we uh, get an opportunity for you to get anything else out there. Uh, uh, and, you know, if you're still in, uh, inviting people to follow you on social media, uh, if you want to share any of that right now before we dive into a topic, uh, feel free to do that too. Well, I can't I can't send you anybody to Facebook because I was banned off of Facebook several years ago because of my uh, trilogy on terrorism. Uh, but I do have uh, Dan Perkins uh, at LinkedIn and Dan Speak on Twitter, at least for now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good luck staying on Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's getting right. crazy over there. Uh, right. All right. Well, uh, for those of you who want to follow Dan, that's the places to go. Uh, yeah, it's kind of scary over at LinkedIn now too. They're 
Uh, LinkedIn seems to be so all in for this uh, critical race theory stuff. Uh, it's not a safe place for anybody who's ever once had a, a conservative thought, <laughs> whether you're actually conservative or not. It's getting scary everywhere. Um, right. At any rate, uh, given uh, your following uh, of international politics, I, I kind of thought you'd be a good person to have this uh, question about. Uh, and I wanted to address it with you uh, to get your thoughts. Now, first of all, if you want to chime in on this, what appears to be strictly a show trial uh, uh, impeachment hearing thing going on with Trump, uh, feel free to, to do that. But my real question for you today, sir, uh, has to do with the Abraham Accords, and if you believe under a Biden administration – uh, we'll see that continue, or if that's going to unravel. I really want to get your thoughts there. I I don't have any confidence uh, that that Joe is um, capable of making significant decisions. Uh, I, I've looked at the way he's he's handled himself in his campaign. I look at. Uh, when, when he said he wanted to make sure that 100 million people in his first 100 days got the vaccine, I said he used to be a smart enough politician to know that was probably not a good thing to say because he's betting his presidency – that he's going to be able to accomplish this 100 million, which means he's got to get 200 million shots for 100 million people. And he's got to do it by the end of March. And there are things that are going on that a person who understood that they didn't know what was going on would have never made that commitment. When a when a person is elected president and he says he wants to be the president for all the people and he's a democratic president and the very first day after he's taken the oath of office, he put what some people now think maybe 60,000 people between the United States and Canada out of work. Most of them union yeah. jobs in the United States. Where did that come from? Why did it feel like – why did he feel like he's, – he, he, he said today, you might have heard, that he thinks that, um, that the, the government needs to be turned over and Bahrain back to the people, that the, that the, the coup was uh, not uh, what the people wanted, and the people should have their ability to, to get what they wanted. Uh, he wants to – he wants to go back into the nuclear agreement with Iran, and the Ayatollah basically gave him an ultimatum. The only way we'll consider talking to you about it is if you lift all the sanctions. And so already he's starting off. You know, one of my favorite polling organizations, if there is such a thing, but the one I follow the most is an organization called Rasmussen. The first poll of presidential acceptance after Joe Biden was inaugurated, he got a 48% favorability rating and 
unfavorable. So he comes in the first day of his first week of his first week in office as president, and he gets under 50% of the people believing in him. Um, the, the attack on the freedom of speech, the, uh, the attack on people and, and what's going on. When, when you look at, at, if you're an objective person, and I know that's harder to find today, Tim, and you look at what happened in Washington, D.C., America was in a civil war when Abraham Lincoln was inaugurated for his second term as president. So we were in the middle of a civil war in the country. And the number of soldiers that were in Washington, D.C., 25,000, supposedly to prevent something from happening during the inauguration, looked more like what was happening in Venezuela or Cuba or a communist nation of, of China or Russia, not the United States. We had to bring in 25,000 armed troops, and we had to have fences nine feet high with concertina wire on top in order to make sure that Joe Biden successfully became president of the United States, that there was, quote, a peaceful transition. Uh, I look at that and I say there's – you can't look at that and say this is not my country. It's not my country, and I don't believe it is my country, and I believe that what's happening in terms of free speech and the ability to write uh, and speak my mind, uh, I have grave concerns that that a lot of these people that I've been writing for for years are going to tell me they can't take what I'm sending them anymore. And if they can't, I understand that. But, you know, we had a such I wrote a piece when Google and Facebook and uh, Twitter decided that they were going to get rid of Parler. They did it in one day. Well, there's a thing called the Sherman Antitrust Act which absolutely is what they did. If you read the law and the, the narrative with the law as passed, exactly what those companies did was violate the Sherman antitrust law. They decided to eliminate their competition. And yet we've, there's nothing – sure, there's a lot, a lot of people on the right who are complaining about it, but nobody on the left cares. Uh, we've got this trial. For 25 years, Tim, I was – a merit badge counselor for the Boy Scouts of America, and my specialty was working with young men who wanted to become Eagle Scouts. And one of the one of the required merit badges to become an Eagle Scout is a badge called Citizenship in the Nation. And it's a study of the controlling documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the Constitution. And I did that for 25 years. And I've, I interviewed and worked with thousands of young men over that time. And I, I look at what's going on in Washington, D.C. today. We have a constitution that clearly defines the way we remove the president of the United States. It's called impeachment. And the process is that the, the House representative has to bring a bill of impeachment, bring it to the Senate. There's to be a trial. And the Constitution is very specific that the law judge, the judge of the trial, 
is the is the head of the Supreme Court, the Chief Justice. Here we have a, a um, an indictment of a person who is now not president, who was not given his due process rights under the law, and they passed a bill of an impeachment, presented it to the Senate, and John Roberts decided that he was not going to serve as the trial judge. And what he didn't say was because he believes it's unconstitutional. But there are a number of people in this country who think that it's okay to use the impeachment provision of the Constitution to indict a person who is no longer president of the United States. And the Democrats don't see anything wrong with that, Tim. It says to me exactly who they are and what they are. They don't care about the Constitution. They'll do whatever they want to do. And as a result, we are all paying the price of losing our freedom. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the 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 very first thing that, that struck me when I heard that Justice Roberts wasn't going to proceed was, what else do you need to know that this isn't constitutional? But these folks, like you said, they they they're still trying to shred the Constitution to the point that it's completely meaningless. In the modern world, they're continuing to try and normalize the idea of ignoring the Constitution just because orange man bad. And they really, really have a hard time wrapping their mind around the fact that there are still some folks in this country that love the republic as she was founded, wants to see her restored, and thinks that the Constitution is important because individual liberty is important. But that's really their enemy. And I, I just – it really, it really pains me. I, I was talking back in the first hour with one of my earlier guests, and to hear the way some of these folks were presenting, and they were making the argument about how the Capitol was desecrated. And, and I made the point that actually the Capitol, once upon a time, was a shrine to, to liberty and freedom, but uh, that shrine has been desecrated long before the events of January 6th this year. It's been desecrated for as long as there's been uh, a people that were elected to go do the people's business but refused to put the people first and have been trying to work against the Constitution and liberty ever since. Uh, that's when it became desecrated. Uh, I don't – I can't imagine too many people who truly love liberty can continue to see our capital as being anything more than a historical artifact uh, as opposed to a still a temple for that belief. I, I agree with you. When, you. when you look at what the Democrats are doing, um, they are I, – I take you back in 2018, Tim. And it, it, in yeah. 2018, the midterm elections, is when the Democratic Party came out of the closet. They began to openly admit that they were socialists and communists. They began, and as we got into the primaries and the debates, they clearly all demonstrated that their desire was to be socialist and/or communist. And yet, this is what blows my mind, Jim. The American people decided that's what they wanted, or so we've been told. That's what they wanted. And I wrote, when that outcome came out, 
I wrote a commentary. I cried for my country because it's no longer what I thought it was. And I'm convinced that what's going on with Joe Biden and the handlers that are, are running him and making the decisions and writing the doctrine that America is probably gone because, Kim, I don't believe with the blatant way in which the Democrats, in my opinion, stole the election from Donald Trump. They have figured out, no matter what they do, they have figured out how to get the outcome of an election that they want. And so freedom is truly gone. When, when we have a political party that says, I am the only one who can think properly, and if you don't agree with me, you have to say nothing. There is no part of the left in this country that allows for dissent from any, anybody, whether it's the right, whether it's conservative, whether it's libertarian, they make a difference. There, there is no room for disagreement of what the left has to say in this country. Yeah, yeah there's not even room for honest uh, liberals. I, there, there's no value to the liberal. Uh, and again, I'm referring to the classical definition of the word. I still believe, much like I'm sure yourself, words have meanings, and we can't let folks continue to redefine them to suit their purposes, which is what the left does on a regular basis. But if you're mm-hmm. an honest-to-goodness liberal, uh, then you support the idea of freedom of expression. You support freedom of speech. There is no room for that amongst the political left in this country right now. That's because when I said to you a few moments ago, they op- began to open I, – I couldn't believe what I was hearing, that they were openly admitting that they were socialists and they were communists. They had reached the point in their development that they finally told the American people what they were, what they stood for, and the American people supposedly accepted it. And I don't think, given their, their control and manipulation of the ballot box – that the country as you and I knew growing up, as Ronald Reagan called it, the, the, the beacon on the hill, it's gone. And, and I'm not sure that we'll ever get it back. I mean, we're, we're, talking, we're talking about – I did this piece, Tim, uh, within the last couple of weeks, and I raised the question. Joe Biden had been talking during the entire campaign about the need for a new stimulus in order to deal with COVID-19. And so he put out his $1.9 trillion plan. Now, I know... I know that it's difficult to talk numbers on radio, and I apologize for that, but there are times when you have to deal with that. So if, you're, if your listeners will just bear with me for just a moment, this $1.9 billion trillion added to what's already been passed is going to take about $6 trillion 
because of COVID-19. These are the numbers. We, we know that Moderna and Pfizer are selling the two-shot vaccine protocol to the government for a total of $40. Now, Joe Biden has said he wants to vaccinate 300 million people. Well, he can't vaccinate 300 million people because there are 72 million children under the age of 17, and there's no test data that shows that it would be safe to inoculate 72 million children. So we only got 250 million. 250 million people at $40 for the two shots is $10 billion. Now, I ask you, Tim, if it's going to cost $10 billion for the vaccine, and in the COVID bill of $1.9 trillion, there's $20 billion for the distribution and paying for the distribution and the people who are giving the shots, $20 billion. So $10 billion for the shots, $20 billion, that's $30 billion. Tim, where is the rest of the $1.870 trillion going? Nobody's asking. We're not going to spend $1.8 trillion on vaccines and and getting vaccines. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So when I was writing this story, Tim, I I asked – Whenever I write commentary, I always ask myself a series of questions when I'm writing about a topic. And so I said, I wonder how much of the original $4 trillion has yet to be dispersed. Do you know that half the money hasn't been sent out yet? Yeah. And we're going to add another almost $2 trillion to the debt. And on top of that, if you're following what's going on in the House, the House wants to change the child care tax credit to a child care payment paid on a monthly basis mm-hmm. at about $300 a month per child. Where's the money going to come from for that? It's going to come from not from the tax dollars because we don't have any tax dollars left to pay for any of this stuff. We're going to borrow more money. But the left doesn't care that we have to borrow more money because they have no desire to ever pay back, ever to pay back the debt. And we're at a point, Tim, where we have so much debt that it will be impossible to ever pay it back. So we're headed for third world status. Which I think is the intent of some folks that are behind the scenes. Dan, we are out of time uh, for tonight. So, again, I I hate to leave things there because I think we're really getting to some important points, but I I make you this promise right now, sir. As long as you're willing, we will have you back on much sooner. We will pick up where we left off, and hopefully we can talk a little bit about the Abraham Accords as well because in the process of getting where we went to, we didn't quite get there, uh, and I still would very much like to get you in person there. In the meanwhile, sir, uh, Godspeed. Keep up all the great work you're doing, and uh, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be back on with you. 
All right. Thank you, Sarah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dan Perkins. And uh, that's going to have to be it for me tonight. Uh, again, thank you guys for being here as always. I appreciate the listenership. And please remember, no matter what else, don't take my word for anything I say. I want you to go out, do your own homework, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, uh, stay smart, uh, stay healthy, stay safe, all that stuff out there. And we'll be back again Friday night. So uh, I hope to see you guys then. Uh, I'm out. Good night, everybody. using both hands.